Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Amen. Well, give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. Did any of y'all just lie? <laughs> We're going to have an altar call for all the Pinocchios in the room. Praise the Lord. Mr. Geppetto. <laughs> Open your Bible to the gospel according to Mark, chapter number 5. We're going to talk this morning for a few minutes about how to keep what God is depositing in our life. Somebody say amen to that. You know, there's a big difference between receiving something and keeping something. There's a big difference between receiving something and keeping something. If keeping something meant you were just good at receiving it, nobody would ever get divorced. If keeping something meant that you were good at receiving it, it would mean nobody would ever go from being very wealthy to being very poor. Keeping something is a challenge in its own right. Somebody say amen. amen. That's why the scripture says that the sower went forth to sow. Some of it landed on the ground. And the Bible says the raven came down and as soon as it was sown, he grabbed it up. And he took it away before it could take root. Because there is something, that, there is something about not just receiving a thing but keeping a thing. Somebody say amen. amen. So today I want to talk about what it means to actually keep what God is imparting or doing in your life. Because this week we had a great conference. Who all was here at the conference? Just wave at me. We had a powerful time in God. And, and all of us had our lives changed. And we had a spark of faith come back. And it was just an encouragement. But, but it's our responsibility. The Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the Lord Timothy. He said, Timothy, you need to stir up the gift or rekindle the gift that's on the inside of you. In other words, it's imperative to not just receive a thing, but to keep a thing. Somebody say amen. amen. So for us, we got to get real good at keeping things. I remember when I was uh, growing up, I worked with my family all the time. We were, either, we were either working or in church or playing a sport, but that was about it. We, were, we worked all the time, and I, I got to college, and when I, uh, I wasn't playing sports, I would, I would hold down a job or I would do uh, projects and I remember just just working, 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 and then got out of school, and all of a sudden I started make started making some real money. Somebody say amen to that. I started making some real money, and I realized that making money is not the end of it. It's a challenge to keep what you make. Matter of fact, there's a lot of wisdom involved in keeping what you make because you don't have to try. You don't have to try to go broke. I'm not alone, am I? Praise <laughs> You don't have to try to go broke. You got to try not to go broke. You got to be wise about it. You know, the restaurants, they'll never tell you, you shouldn't eat out seven times a week. You should save some of your money. God bless the restaurants. But they'll never, they'll never, you don't have to try to not be wise. You have to purpose to be wise. Somebody say amen. So keeping the resources that God puts in your life 
is, is a challenge as well as receiving resources. Challenge. So it's no different when you receive a word from God or your faith is stimulated or God speaks something into your heart or you're encouraged to go further in the things of God. That is the reception of a thing, but, but it, takes a, it takes faith and endurance not just to receive it, but to keep and maintain what God put in your life. So today I want to just give a few keys that Jesus itemized on how we're not going to come out of the New Heights Conference, you know, glowing white hot and then let it dwindle down. Everybody is leaking. That's why you need to be in the house of God, being fed the word of God around the people of God, celebrating who Jesus is in your life. Because we're all leaking and we're not just leaking, we're supposed to be pouring out. That's why he's the well that never runs dry because you're supposed to constantly be going back to the well to be refilled because you know part of me is leaking out and then the other part of me I'm pouring out on everybody else. I've got to go get refilled all the time. I've got to be in the house of God. I've got to be in, uh, amongst the people of God. I've got to be around the things of God. I've got to find me a life group to share my life with. I've got to be built up. I've got to find me some iron that will sharpen the iron on the inside of me. David said this. He says, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There is a decision that says I'm going to stay built up because I'm not just going to receive a thing and have it dissipate. No, I'm going to receive a thing and I recognize it's my responsibility to keep the thing. Now, don't look around, but everybody knows that person or persons, and maybe it's been each one of us at certain times, that receives from God, is believing God, they, they get changed by God. I'll never go back, I'll never go back. And then two weeks, three weeks, two months, three years, two years, two decades later, something happens, and all of a sudden you're knocked right back into the same pit God pulled you out of. It's not because you didn't receive a thing, that's what the devil will tell you. He'll tell you, well, you never received anything anyway. That's a lie. You just didn't keep it. You just didn't stir it up. You know, where I'm from, uh, campfires are not unusual. So we would build campfires and, and, and we would go out in the woods and just act like, you know, Huckleberry Finn or something. But it doesn't matter how big of a fire you make. If somebody doesn't come stir that thing up every now and then, it's going out. Something's got to be added to it. It has to have some more fuel thrown into it. Does that make sense? So what we're going to talk about today is we're talking about not just how to receive from God, because we all receive from God this past week. We all receive from God on a regular basis. It's how do we maintain and keep what God has placed in our heart. Mark chapter 5, this is the story where Jesus, he comes over and there was a man named Jairus. And Jairus, he had a daughter that was 12 years old that was bad sick. And he came to Jesus and he said, would you heal my little girl? Jesus said, I'll certainly heal her. And Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. And the Bible says that a woman pushed through the crowd and she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. You may have heard the story. She reached out and she grabbed the hem of his garment and when she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says that dynamite power shot out of her, shot out of Jesus and shot into her and she was, immense, uh, she was instantly healed of her infirmity. She had had that uh, particular condition for 12 years. So literally Jesus stops and he turns around and he said, who touched me? Peter says, Jesus, there's people touching you. There's people all around you. What are you talking about? He said, no, 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 not that kind of touch. Somebody pulled power. Somebody tapped into the source. Can I just say it differently? Everybody around you may experience nothing, but you can still receive every single thing God has for you. The Bible says she grabbed the coat, grabbed the edge of his coat. And when she grabbed the edge of his coat, she was instantaneously healed of her infirmity. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? She said, it was me. He looked at her and he said this. He said, your faith 
He didn't say my faith. He didn't say your neighbor's faith. He didn't say your pastor's faith. He didn't say your mama's faith. He said, your faith has made you whole. The Bible says that uh, it was in this moment, this is where we pick up, because remember, he was on his way to heal the little girl. And the lady stopped him by pulling the power out of the edge of his coat. And he turns around and he's having a conversation with her. Verse 35. And while Jesus was still talking to the lady, while he yet spake, while he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, there came from Jairus' house, a certain person that said, Your daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Your daughter has died. Leave Jesus alone. Have you ever told somebody your plans and how it's all going to work out and then it didn't work out that way and now you feel like you have to explain yourself? Have you ever thought it was going to go one way and it didn't go that way and now all of a sudden you're like questioning it because you felt like God was actually saying something? So Jairus says to Jesus, will you come heal my daughter? Jesus says yes and he's on his way. So in other words, Jesus was on his way to go deliver on the promise. Jesus had changed the situation with the spoken word and instantly Jairus' countenance had to have shifted because he knew that Jesus, the son of David, could heal, had healed, and would heal again. And he was on his way to do it. So Jairus came and was undoubtedly very sad because his daughter was sick and all of a sudden he had the opportunity to be happy because he knew the healer was coming to his house. So Jairus walks over, and his conditions are very uh, traumatic because of his little girl. And and he says to Jairus, he says to Jesus, he said, said, will you heal her? He says, yes. Now all of a sudden, Jairus' story changes. So Jairus is walking back. He's in front of Jesus because he's he's leading Jesus to his house. And everybody stops and says, Jairus, hey, missed you at church Sunday. How's your little girl doing? And Jairus said, hey, yeah, she's been sick. We had to miss service. He said, but it's all good because Jesus is coming to heal her. So praise the Lord. No, 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 Jairus. Hey, hey, I missed you at Starbucks. How's things going? Is your daughter feeling any better? Well, she's had good days and bad days, but everything's changing because the son of David is on his way to my house right now, and he's going to heal my little girl. It's going to be amazing. Have you ever told somebody what God's going to do in your life? And then it didn't work out how you thought it was going to work out. Jairus is, is, is saying the right things, believing the right things, and, and everything around him is shifted because of what Jesus said. But at the end of the day, now all of a sudden, how he thought God was going to do it has shifted. I'll never forget when, when, when I was about 12 years old, my parents, they bought some land and we were going to build a house on it and we were going to go out there and we were going to live out in the country and it was just going to be wonderful and I remember as a boy, I was so excited. I was telling all my friends about it. Yeah, we're going to live out in the country. It's going to be incredible. There's crocodiles and alligators and lions and bears, and we're just going to kill them all. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> we're going to go live out. It's just going to be so fun. It's just going to be so fun. And, and then my parents told me, said, hey, 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 stop telling everybody our business. And I said, well, why, why can't I'm excited. Why can't I tell them? They said, well, it's not that we don't want you to tell them. It's that if we change our mind, we don't want to have to explain it to everybody. Sometimes you put yourself in a corner where you feel like you have to explain everything that you do because you told everybody what you were about to do. You don't have to tell everybody all your business. You 
don't even have to tell everybody everything God said he's going to do through you. There's a lot of people that can't believe what God's going to do through you. They couldn't believe it if they wanted to because it's not for them. It's for you. You Remember Matthew 13 says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So if we're going to keep the, the impartation, the word, the deposit that God puts on the inside of each one of us, if we're going to maintain that, we're going to have to do, number one, we're going to have to make sure that we're, we're sharing what should be shared. Don't go oversharing. We all have that friend, by the way. <laughs> you know, the overshare. You know, I'm just not feeling good. Praise the Lord. I, you know what happened? Let me just describe to you the last 20. No, don't describe the last 24 hours. I don't want you. Oh, I don't. There's certain things that some people just don't need to know. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't overshare. Just because God told you, that might not mean he's trying to get you to tell somebody else. You could just tell people about Jesus the rest of your life and you never have to tell them any of the specifics of your own life and that would actually set somebody free instead of opening yourself up for explanation and ridicule. Somebody give God a hand of praise in the library. It's quiet in here. The Bible says this, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Somebody say, as soon as. As soon as he said it, the instant he said it, the moment he said it, the the instant that Jesus heard something contrary to the word of the living God, the moment, the instant he spoke directly against it. You are completely authorized to speak against what the enemy is saying about you. If you have something or somebody in your life that's constantly speaking down to you or is constantly speaking ugly to you, you don't have to wag your finger in their face. You don't have to put them in their place. But you can tell yourself, nope, 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 that can't be true because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, you're never going to make it. You couldn't go to school if you wanted to. You're a dummy. Uh, None of your family ever went to school. None of your family has a degree. Well, that can't be right. I can't be a dummy because the Bible says I actually have the mind of Christ. As soon as you hear something contrary to the Word of God, I hereby authorize you to answer it with the Word of God. As soon as Jesus heard it, as soon as he heard it, he said, listen here, as soon as he heard it, he said, the only thing you need to do is don't be afraid, only believe. Let's say that together. Don't be afraid, only believe. Number two, just believe. Just believe what God said. Just believe God's going to do what he said he would do. Just believe God's going to say what he said he would. Just believe that God is going to not just be the author of your faith, but he's actually going to be the finisher of your faith as well. When you go through these things and you receive something from God and you're skipping on your way to a miracle and all of a sudden some bad news comes in your situation, you've got to get to the place where you plug your fingers in your ears, you call things or not as though they were, and you say, I don't understand it all, but I am not going to be afraid and I am going to believe what God said in the face of any and all adversity it's a shift but it's a decision because keeping what God deposits on the inside of you is oftentimes more challenging than receiving it the first time because the devil doesn't know everything aren't you glad the devil doesn't know everything 
But sometimes when God speaks a word in and over your life, it exposes what God is going to do and the devil does exactly what he did in Matthew 13. The Bible says that when the word of God is sown and it lands in somebody's heart, the first thing the enemy does is he comes and tries to steal that word before it'll take root. Because if he can snatch that word out of your heart, you may have received it, but you can't keep it. But if you'll decide, I'm going to be somebody that stands on the word of God, retains the word of God, refuse to be afraid, and only believe in the, in, the, in the face of adversity, you'll endure until the promise shows up. But you have to make the decision that even if he starts yelling at me, I don't walk silently towards my giants. You have to fight giants. This is not optional in the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. But don't ever run at your giant alone. Or don't ever run at your giant with your mouth shut. Do you remember David? The giant was over there, Goliath. I'm going to kill everybody. I'm the biggest, baddest giant on the planet. I can't stand all these Israelites. I'm going to do that. And David said, what did he say? David said, is he talking about my mama? (laughs) And he goes walking out there. He said, who is this little boy? Looks like a little dog. Look at this little puppy. Come here, boy. Come here, Dave. Come here, Dave. Look at this little boy. He just looks like a little dog. Little semi little dog. I'm going to cut you up. I'm going to feed you the birds. And as soon as David heard something contrary to the word of God, he said, you come at me with all your swords and all your shields, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I will cut you up and I will feed you to the birds. Stop going quietly into your battle. As soon as Jesus heard it, he said, I'm not going to let the devil have the final say. He said, I'm going to answer it immediately. He said, Jairus, don't you be afraid. Just believe. I've deposited a word in you, Jairus. Hold on to it. Because I'm not just faithful to deliver a word. I'm faithful to perform my word. So he goes on because the, the, the reality is when you hear a word from God, let, let me tell you something. You'll get a word from God and the devil, the, the devil hears it too a lot of times. The enemy of God hears it. And this is when he starts to, to, to really come after you, okay? Because he didn't know that you were going to be so blessed coming in and blessed going. He didn't know. And then he finds out that's going to happen and that's what he starts to attack. So what he does is this. He comes and he gets on a stump. And this, this, this is a stump this morning, praise the Lord. This is a subwoofer stump just like that. And you get a word from God and all of a sudden he starts, he starts attacking the word because if he can snatch it up out of your heart before it takes root, now all of a sudden he actually has the victory. So he's going to come and he's going to say, hey, 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 I thought your kids were going to serve God to a thousand generations. What are they doing in the club at three o'clock in the morning bumping to Jay-Z and Beyonce, huh? Oh, oh, I thought he healed your body. How come you're coughing this morning? I thought he was the God that healeth thee. I thought healing was the children's bread. And you're just going to be sitting there because as soon as you hear a word, he hears it too. And he starts attacking the word that's been deposited on the inside of you. I thought you were going to be, I I thought y'all were going to be married forever. Now look at your divorced self laying there crying on your pillow. I thought you were going to be married for the rest of your life. What happened? No, what happened is, is he found out about the promises and he starts attacking the word that God has placed on the inside of you. But I'm wondering if there's not some Christians that are ready to rise up. And as soon as they hear it, look back and say, you shut your mouth, devil. You're the father of all lies. I only stand on what God. God says. It's a shift. 
but you've got to keep what God has imparted on the inside of you. Oh, I thought it was going to be different. I thought, I thought Jesus was about to heal your daughter. She's dead. Leave it alone. Let me tell you something. God specializes in raising dead things from the grave. Every one of us is here today because he raised us from some place of a pit. He raised us from some issue. Don't let the demise of one thing kill the next thing. I'm going to start a business and it's going to be great. And you told everybody about it. And all of a sudden, one day you just changed your mind. And all of a sudden, now everybody's all, hey, how about that business? What happened? I thought you told me God was going to give you a business. And you feel like you've got to explain everything. You can just say, hey, look here. The Bible says people see through a glass darkly. I thought that's what was going to happen. All I know is God's still going to make a way where there was no way. I don't know why it didn't work out. Well, I thought y'all were going to be married forever. I mean, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to get divorced. You're not supposed to have marital issues. Your kids aren't supposed to act like heathens at Chuck E. Cheese. You shouldn't have any of these things. I thought Jesus loves you. Where's your Jesus now? He's right in the middle of my mess with me, delivering me once again. That's where my Jesus is. You don't have to explain yourself. But as soon as you hear it, you answer it back. Stop going to bed defeated. Stop laying in bed acting like anxiety is going to have the end of you. Anxiety is not going to have the anxiety is not going to have the end of you. Stop going to bed all frustrated. Stop going to bed angry about your husband or your wife. Stop going to bed all mad about everything. Get to the place in God where you say, "You know what? When I sense the devil trying to say something, I'm going to answer him." That's what Jesus did. Every time the devil rose up and began to say something, he would just look over and say, "Shut your mouth." Remember the guy, the, the, he would walk in one time, he walked in the temple, and there was a man possessed, and, and, and the Bible said, Jesus says, shut your mouth. And the guy's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Gets on a boat, goes all the way over to the Gadarenes, guy comes over, he's like, oh, son of David, Jesus, what are you doing here? We know who you are. He says, shut your mouth, yeah, 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 yeah. The thing is, you have total authority because Jesus authorized you But we don't have anybody talking to the devil like he should be talked to. We let him make us think anything he wants to make us think. We we start believing what other people say about us. We start thinking. And and all we got to do is as soon as you hear it, as soon as you hear it, put God's word on those lying words. Give God a hand of praise today. Number one. Be conscious about who you share things with. Number two, don't be afraid. Just believe. Verse 37, and he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So Jesus hears that the girl is dead. Jairus hears the girl is dead. He looks at Jairus and says, Jairus, as soon as he hears it, don't be afraid. Just believe, man. Don't Listen, don't, don't cast away your confidence. Hold fast your profession of faith. And then verse 37, he said, all right, all you guys, you can't go with me on this one, okay? Peter, James, John, you guys come with me. Everybody else, everybody else, I'm going to need you guys to just stay here. Number three, this might be the most important one. I, should, I might should have made it the last one. But number three, you can't let everybody in your tent. So Noah got off the boat after building the ark for 100 years. He offers a great sacrifice to God. He drinks some grape juice that had fermented. Finds himself passed out drunk in his tent with no clothes on. One of his sons, who loved him, walks in, sees his flesh, and walks out and starts talking about his flesh. 
The other two sons heard about it, grabbed a blanket, walked backwards into the tent to make sure that they didn't see the flesh of their father and covered what the other son was talking about. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. You can't let everybody in your tent. Stop sharing what's personal, private, and sacred to you with people that don't understand personal, private, and sacred things. Stop sharing your kingdom pearls with people that don't understand pearls. Has anybody ever heard the the scripture, don't cast your pearls before swine? A pearl is something that typically we wear as as jewelry, necklaces, bracelets, uh, earrings. And for us to go get a pearl, we'll go down to the the mall and go to the jewelry store and we'll pull out our credit card or, or, or some money and we'll buy it. And it's valuable. But in that day and age, you didn't just necessarily go down to the, you know, Kay's jeweler. Every kiss begins with K. Pray for your pastor. You didn't just go down and just buy it. They didn't, have, they didn't have goggles like we have now. So if you went swimming, you could protect your eyes. And a pearl meant somebody went in shark-infested waters, swam down to the depths of where they could find the oyster, pried it from the bottom of the ocean, fought the sharks on the way back, salt all in their eyes, threw it over the side of the boat, went back and got more, and every, other, every oyster doesn't have a pearl. So they had to search and search and search to find it. They finally got there. They pry the thing open, and they go, oh, my gosh, I got a pearl. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen one raw. They're not near as pretty as they look on a necklace. That means they had to polish that thing. They had to take care of it, but they didn't have electricity. They could just go turn on the grinding wheel and polish it. That means somebody's sitting there spinning something, shining something. Look, that pearl that you're walking around with, that costs you your very life to attain. Stop tossing it in front of pigs. Because the pig's just going to step on it in the mud. You say, why'd you do that, pig? And the pigs will answer you and say, I'm a pig. Now, I'm not pointing our finger at anybody. I'm just saying, stop tossing what's so valuable in front of people that won't recognize its value. They will stomp on it in front of you. They don't mean to, but they will stomp on it in front of you. You've got to be careful about who you let in your tent. Because some people are going to try to cover all of your weaknesses and your flesh, and other people are just there to expose it. You get into church, you get in the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, you start serving God. Almost everybody wants to be real close with whoever the minister is. Praise God for that. I think it's wonderful. But the problem is, you don't need the man, you need the man to loan the man. Because, believe it or not, ministers have flesh too. Not me, of course, but some do. <laughs> and there's parts of life where you may see something you can't handle. And all of a sudden... The man who spent a hundred years building the boat that rescued you and your wife is now the topic of your conversation in a negative way because he had one bad day? 
you got to be careful who you let in your tent. Crystal and me, we made the decision when we first started the church, we, we keep a lot of things very sacred in our home. Uh, uh, one, Sundays and, and, and after dinner and after service, we typically, we go to dinner as a family or we cook and we, we enjoy it like that. Not because we don't love hanging out with people. That's not it at all. But there's some things that are sacred to us. Because you come get in my tent. Number one, you may see some flesh. But number two, you may say something to me. And now whenever I'm ministering, you're wondering, is he saying that because I told him about my struggle? Or is the Holy Spirit leading him to talk? I don't even have a personal Facebook page because I don't want to know about your junk. Because I don't want you thinking I'm checking up on everybody. I'm just trying to go to God's word and find something valuable that he wants delivered to his people. But the people have to recognize it's not the man that you need. It's the mantle on the man. You have to be careful who you let in your tent. Some people are only there to try to expose your faults. Other people come in with one intention. If I see any flesh, I'm going to cover it. If I see any issue, I'm going to cover it. This is why a life group is so imperative. Now, the first time you come to life group, let me tell you what it's going to be like. It's going to be people you don't know. It might be one or two that you know. It's going to be people you don't know. You're going to hear. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to eat maybe some gorditas, praise the Lord. It's going to be wonderful. But you're going to have a good time. It's going to get to the, to the end. Anybody have anything you want to pray about? And you're going to be like, yeah, you know. Praise the Lord, I've got these split ends. I've just been believing God that I would just not have split ends anymore. Because you don't know these people. You can't open up. You don't know these people. The next one you're going to get there. Is anybody anything to pray about? Yeah, you know, I just wish they'd bring Seinfeld back, you know. It was a show about nothing, you know. No soup for you. You know, I just thought it would just be, I just really believe in God, you know. Because you don't know these people. Week three, week four, you're going to walk in and all of a sudden God's going to begin to soften your heart. And you're going to realize, hey, we're all in this together. We're, there's, no, there's none perfect among us. We just serve a perfect God. They're going to say, do you have anything that you need to pray about? You're going to say, man, I, I know I talked about the TV show and my hair, but the truth is my marriage is really struggling and I, I, I need somebody to believe God with me because I don't want to lose my spouse. But you'll never get to that place if you're letting all the wrong people into your tent. Because you'll spend the rest of your life trying to make sure somebody's not trying to get you. Everybody's not out to get you. Some people really do love you. Can we give God a hand of praise for the people that really love us? We've got to be careful what we share. We can't be afraid. Just believe in the difficult times. Number three, don't let everybody into your tent. The Bible says that he took Peter, James, and John with him, verse 38, and he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw the tumult, or he saw all the confusion. God is never a God of confusion. Anytime confusion is around, God is going to make sure that the confusion leaves so that he can actually work. He sees all the confusion and all those that wept and wailed greatly. They were very, very upset, as you could imagine. And when he came in, he said unto them, Why do you make this ado and weep? He said, The damsel is not dead, but she's sleeping. The little girl's not dead. She's sleeping. The little girl was dead, 
But Jesus was calling things that are not, come on somebody, as they were. Stop looking at your situation and just talking about it how it is and start talking about it how you'd like it to be. He said that she's just asleep. The Bible says they laughed him to scorn, verse 40. They laughed him to scorn. Number four, you have to ignore your haters. If you don't have any haters, you're probably not serving God. I mean that respectfully. If, if you don't have anybody that is, that is against what you're about, you're probably not for God. Because you can't serve God without condemnation. It, it's, just, it's just the way of it. There's going to be ridicule. There's going to be issues that pop up. Let, let me give you an example. Uh, October 31st this year falls on Wednesday night. So we're going to do an awesome trunk or treat right here on the church grounds. We're going to love all the kids. It's just going to be wonderful. So make sure bring your car out, bring a bunch of candy, you know, open the trunk. Let's bless the kids and love on them. But we're supposed to be called out from the world. Let me just give you an example. Halloween, generally speaking, is the day that the world tries to scare children. That is completely contrary to the word of God. I'm going to preach whether anybody says amen or not. Completely contrary to the word of God. I'm not saying don't dress them up. I'm not saying don't have a good time. I'm not saying don't feed them candy. I'm telling you, the Bible says to stay away from even the appearance of evil. The Bible says that your eyeballs are the windows to your soul. You allow, even for one day, you let your guard down with your kids in that area, and you start letting a lot of influence, you let them see that stuff, you'll be dealing with nightmares the rest of the year because of one night where you chose to just go, oh, well, it can't hurt them. The devil is a liar. We are to flee the appearance, we are to stay away, abstain from the appearance of evil. My kids, they dress up every year. Of course, we only allow them to dress up as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, an an angel, you know, a donkey, praise the Lord, because Jesus rode a donkey, you know. They can dress up. I don't care. You're not scaring my kids. I'm not risking them. I I don't risk my offspring for anything. No, Jesus gave up his son. We don't have to give up our children. Or God gave up his son. We don't have to give up our children. So that means that might put you in a different conversation than everybody at the water cooler. Oh, what's your kid going to be? The wicked witch of the West. What about yours? A vampire. What about yours? A werewolf. Oh, it's going to be amazing. We're going to scare him. It's going to be blood everywhere. What's yours going to be? It ain't going to be that. (laughs) Why not? Because I love them and I don't want them dealing with nightmares because the world decided that scaring children was somehow okay. God said this. Jesus said, he said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you power, love, and a sound mind. So that puts you in a different context than the world. Come out from among them, the Bible says. Now, we don't come out to stay out and say, oh, we're better than you. That's exactly the opposite. We come out so we can go back and get them. But we don't go act like them so that we can get them. Somebody's got to see that there's a better way to do things. Somebody's got to see that there's a different way to do things. So when that happens, now all of a sudden you may have some haters show up. Oh, they're just too holy. Well, I'd rather be too holy than not holy enough. 
You're just too spiritual. I don't want to be too unspiritual, praise God. You make everything about God. Now you're bragging on me. It's not all about God. Yes, it is. You say you can't have any fun. The devil is a liar. He can't, we have life and life more abundantly, but I don't scare children. And you go, you go scaring my children? You're going to find out how much flesh I have left. <laughs> don't make any bones about it. It's a different thing. It's a shift. So, so literally, now all of a sudden you have to make the decision. Number four, you've got to ignore your haters. And if you don't have any, Live for God. You'll get one or two. And as the anointing increases on your life, the venom increases. He said, what do you mean? He said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. Who's they? They don't even know they're doing it. We're not mad at them. We're not angry at them. We're not wagging our finger at them. But it comes with venom. They spit on him. How many people spit on you this week? That's why the apostles wrote like this. Said, I counted all joy to even be a small partaker of the sufferings of Christ. Because they understood the value of this thing. They took him, spit on him, beat him, lied about him, nailed him to a block of wood and stood it up for all of humanity to see. I've never been nailed to a tree. I think the little ridicule that we have to go through as believers on this side of heaven, I think it's very small in comparison to what Jesus went through to pay that price for us. So I think we can ignore our haters. Now, we can't get it twisted because the next level of ignoring haters start to get arrogant about it, and that's not it at all. We're not ignoring them so that we can be arrogant. We're ignoring them because we don't want them to go to hell. You don't ever have to like me. I still don't want you to go to hell. We don't ever have to be friends. I still don't want you to go to hell. You can say anything you want about me. I still don't want you to go to hell. I'm not holding a grudge against you. I'm not angry at you. I'm not, none of, I still don't want you to go to, there has to be a place where you take, and, and the concept of your, uh, of your haters coming at you gets filtered through the idea of, man, Lord, I just wish you'd bless them because I don't want them, even if they're mad at me, to be mad at you. Don't, don't let me be a stumbling block on their way to the cross. Don't let me make them miss it because I decided to act like the world when the world acted like the world to me. I just think I can ignore my haters for the cause of Christ. I can ignore my haters for the cause of of them and their entire family getting born again. I can do that. I can endure that. No nails in my hands. I think it's a minor thing. I think it's a small thing. But if you're going to hold on to what God has imparted into you, you got to make sure you're only sharing stuff with the right people. You're sharing those depths with the people of depth. you got to make sure that you're not going to be afraid. You're going to believe in the process. You you can't just let everybody in your tent. Number four, you got to ignore your haters. Raise your hand if you're a hater. Just kidding, don't. Everybody's like, ah! (laughs) you got to ignore your haters. Man, I feel him now. Ten seconds. Just lift your hands. Close your eyes. We're going to wrap this up quick. I sense him now. Lord, I sense you doing things in the hearts of your people. And I thank you for it. Verse 38. He came to the rule of the house. He saw all the confusion. Everybody was crying. Verse 39, when he came in, he said unto them, Why are you crying? The girl's not dead. She's asleep. They laughed him to scorn. 
But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered in where the damsel was. He took the girl by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, little girl, damsel. I picture Jesus saying something like this. Hey, little baby. Hey, sweet girl. I say to you now, your little body, get up off this bed. I think God's talking to some of the dreams that were sick and you thought God was going to heal them and then they died. I think Jesus is here today to speak to those dreams. Say, hey, 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 dream. Hey, dream. It's not over. I know you've been dormant for a while, but it's time for you to get up now, dream. It's time for you. It's time for you. Healing's one thing. Resurrection's a whole other level of power. You're about to walk into a new thing. Straightway, the little girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years old, and they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged her gravely, straightly, that they wouldn't tell anybody. And he commanded that she would have something to eat, because every little kid needs some Chick-fil-A. Christian chicken, praise the Lord. (laughs) Number five, everybody say number five. So the Bible says Jesus took them. Jesus took them. He took the mom and the dad. Verse 40, put that up there. Jesus took them and those that were with him. Number five. You have to let Jesus be in charge of your life if you're going to keep what you've received from Him. You can't be a good receiver and stay married. You have to be a good receiver and a good keeper to stay married. You got to take responsibility and say, no, I'm going to love my wife more now than I've ever loved her. You're going to have to be a good keeper tender, a holder of what God's placed on the inside of you. And the only way you can do that is you got to let Jesus be in charge. You know, the Bible says he's the author and the, he's the author and the, everybody wants him to be the finisher, but they never ask him what they thought, what he thought in the beginning. I'm tired of people treating Jesus like a butler. You drop a glass and it breaks and spills all over the floor. Oh, Jesus, help me. And Jesus is like, why do you keep calling me to be the finisher when I wasn't involved in the author? You got to let him have the keys, the driver's seat, the steering wheel, and the radio. You can't, you can't be sitting there driving where you want to go, acting how you want to act. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a ditch, take your hands off the wheel, and look at the back seat where you put Jesus, and say, would you mind driving the rest of the way? Jesus is like, we weren't even supposed to be here. It was their house, but Jesus took them to the little girl. you got to let Jesus take you where he wants to take you, even in your own home. 
even in your own life, even in your own business. Oh, Jesus, uh, they're saying they're going to lay people off at work. I don't know what I'm going to do. <sighs> and Jesus is like, man, I got something way better than this. This is all a setup. If you just let me drive, I would show you things that have never entered into your mind. But you got to let me drive. If you're going to keep what God has placed on you, you have to give him the keys. You have to let Jesus Who sang that song, Jesus, Take the Wheel? I think it was Carrie Underwood. just came to me. I'm good like that. Just downloaded right there. You got to let him drive. <laughs> oh, now don't, don't get, don't egg me on. <laughs> I'm too shy. <laughs> You got to let him drive. You really do. You can't, you can't try to run your life and ask him to fix everything. If you're going to keep what God deposited, oh, I feel you, Lord. You, if you're going to keep what God deposited, you got to let him drive. Lord, I wish he'd ask me to marry him. And God's going, I'm not letting that clown have you, my precious daughter. Oh, God, I just, I just want... I just wanna, I just wanna do everything that you say, except I wanna make all the decisions. <laughs> Respectfully and with as much humility as I can muster up, it doesn't work that way. With a king. You can vote in the local government. But he rules and reigns whether anybody serves him or not. And it is a willing decision to let him have control. When you really recognize my life is not my own. It's not a losing of a dream. It's a tapping into dreams that you could have never come up with on your own. It's a shift. It's where you keep what God deposits. And this time next month, you're not going, oh God, it was so great in October. We had the conference and everything was wonderful. No, this time next month, you're at a whole nother level. His plan is for you to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Better than anything you can come up with. Don't share all your hopes and dreams with everybody. They won't understand you. When things shift and, man, I thought he was going to heal my daughter. Now she's dead. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't go letting everybody in your tent. Don't, don't go letting everybody in your tent. Some people are spies, and they don't even know it. Ignore your haters. You're not what they say. Actually, what they say about you is none of your business. What matters is what God says about you. And lastly, you got to give him the keys. you got to give him the reins. 
You have to let him have control. You have to let Jesus be in charge. Oh, Jesus, fix it again. And Jesus is like, what am I, a mechanic? Shows up every time you break something? He'll do it. But his plan for you is not to be fixing everything all the time. It's to be leading you in the way that you should go. His way is, his plan for you is, is not just to be the tragedy repairman all the time. He's that. But his plan for you is to take you and lead you to heights you've never been, depths you've never been, ideas that have never crossed your mind. Your marriage to be stronger than it's ever been, even 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years in. Stronger than it's ever been. This is his plan. Can you give God one big hand of praise? We're going to hold on to what He's put on the inside of us. Let's all stand to our feet, please. I want to ask a question before we leave. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Today's your day. Maybe you'd say it differently. Maybe you'd say, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. I've turned away from Him, and I know I need to give my life back to Him today. I need to let Jesus be in charge. If that's you and you've never given your life to Jesus or you know you need to return your life to Him, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand here in just a minute. I'm with an uplifted hand. You're saying, oh God, remember me. And He really will. Please bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want to embarrass anybody. This is between you and God right now. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus or you used to walk strong with Him and you've backslidden. When I count to three, lift your hand tall and bold and we're going to pray together and we know that God is faithful to answer our prayers, undoubtedly he hears them. One, two, three, lift your hand, tall and bold. I see that hand, 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 praise the Lord. I see that hand, praise the Lord. I see that hand, glory to God. I see that hand, thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else, tall and bold? Maybe you'd say, I, I don't know, I just feel like I jerked the wheel out of his hand and I just need to give it back. That's what I'm talking about. If that's you, just lift your hand real tall. No shame. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Never too young, never too old. Thank you. I see that. Bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I want you to pray this prayer after me from the bottom of your heart. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say this. Say, oh God. I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I turn from sin and I turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. God bless you for making that decision. Listen, get yourself in a life group. Be in the house of God as often as you can. Let Jesus have full charge of your life. I promise you, he will make every area better than it was without him. Can somebody say amen to that? One last question. Maybe you're here and you've never joined our church. Our church is super simple. Our vision, if you know it with it, with me, if you know it, say it with me, is to love people and point them to Christ. If you're here today and you say, man, this is the church for me. I want to join New Heights Church. Let me tell you, we don't have a long, drawn-out process. We just want you to make that declaration because the Bible says when you get planted in the house of God, you'll flourish in His courts. We want you to flourish in life. We really, really do. 
So if you're here today, you've never joined New Heights, but you sense the presence of God when we worship, and you sense that God is even calling you to take that bold step of faith, when I count to three, just lift your hand real high. I'm not going to put a microphone in your face. I'm not going to call you to the front. But we do want to celebrate that bold declaration because the Bible said when you partner with a ministry like this, every grace that is on this house comes on your family. Maybe you've been here at your first time or you've been coming for a few weeks or months and you've never made that bold declaration. We'd love you to do that. And all we're going to do is put our hands together and tell you we love you. If you're here and you want to join New Heights to help us love people and point them to Christ, when I count to three, lift your hand high. One, two, three, lift your hand. God bless you. 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 Huge decision. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? I'm going to be right up here at the front. Those who are making that decision, I'd love to say hi to you. We have a New to New Heights meeting that comes up over the next couple months. We'd love for you to come back out, but you're as much a member of our church now as anybody else, and we celebrate that fact with you. Can we give them one more big hand of praise? Give God a hand of praise for what they're doing. Let's all lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, for those who are joining our church, I thank you, Lord God, that every grace that's on this house is on their house. I pray, Lord God, that sickness would be a thing of the past and health would be the standard. I pray for increase in every area of their life, and I speak nothing but health, life, and strength over everything that they touch. I thank you, Lord God, for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, for making them the head and not the tail, blessing them in their coming in and their going out this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.